This podcast is brought to you by Langley and Benack, a full-service South and Central Texas law firm that delivers the highest quality legal advice coupled with exceptional client service. From our main office in San Antonio, we provide the resources of a national firm while maintaining close ties to the communities in which we practice. To learn more, please visit us at langleybenack.com. That's langleybenack.com or call us at 210-736-6600. Today's episode is part two of a seven-part series on managing business risk. This series is hosted by attorneys Dane Patrick and Mark Macias. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in the Langley and Benack podcast are for information purposes only and should not be considered legal or professional advice for any particular situation. The presentation of this informational content does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you would like to meet with one of our attorneys, please contact us through our website at www.langleybenack.com or call us at 210-736-6600. Welcome back. My name is Mark Macias, and I am of counsel here at Langley and Benack. I am joined today by Dane Patrick, who is a shareholder here at the firm. Yes, Mark. Uh, I look forward to discussing today with you the different types of insurance coverages that a uh, business uh, needs to procure in order to protect both the owners and the business. What types of different insurance coverages should the owners think about uh, obtaining or securing for their business. Right. So earlier when we talked about the differences between personal lines com- uh, policies versus commercial lines policies, within those two different uh, general areas of insuring agreements, there are other types of policies that one can look to to protect their interest. And so the type of insurance policy that one requires literally depends upon the needs of the company. And so if it is that single person uh, company that you've created, maybe there isn't a need for a workers' compensation insurance policy. However, most companies, once they are formed, are going to hire individuals. Many of the uh, leading hires in the country are small businesses. So when we talked about the approximately Uh, 90% of all companies have 20 or fewer employees. That's exactly what we're talking about. And so a person isn't just going to be a single individual, although they can be, as you've described, in that limited liability company. But instead, they're going to have employees of the limited liability company. And whenever employees are involved with an entity, uh, there's this concept in the law called respondeat superior. And respondeat superior is a term of art that basically means let the master answer. And in this case, that would be the member. It would be the shareholder. It would be the president of the limited liability company who is answering for the conduct of their employees. Now, in some circumstances, responding at superior can be a good thing. For example, you have a worker who gets out of his vehicle, helps a little lady walk across the street by carrying her groceries. You get the benefit of that goodwill. But in most instances, we know respondeat superior to be a 
negative thing. And so, for example, if that same person, after helping that little person walk across the roadway with her groceries, then gets into his vehicle and collides with another individual, then the the master must answer for the conduct of that employee. And in the situation where that employee then also becomes injured, you're going to want to look to a variety of insurance policies that would just cover this specific fact scenario. And so, for example, the employee who is injured operating the vehicle, you're going to want to have workers' compensation insurance to cover the injuries, the medical costs, and the lost time from work that is uh, absorbed by having been involved in this incident. And so one benefit from having workers' comp insurance, as it is known in Texas, to use an abbreviation, is that there are certain benefits that attach to it by having that insurance policy. Under our labor code, we have what is called a workers' comp bar. And generally speaking, the employer cannot be sued directly for that incident, specifically by virtue of having the workers' comp insurance policy there for that uh, specific fact scenario. Wait, 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 wait. You mean if I have insurance, workers' comp insurance in place, and I'm an employer, my employee can't sue me if I'm negligent and I, my negligence causes injuries to that employee? That's correct. They call that the workers' comp bar. <clears throat> and so uh, the, the flip side to that scenario is that let's say that whatever entity is formed does not carry workers' compensation insurance to cover medical uh, charges and lost time from work. That person is capable of being sued under our rules because that person did not afford themselves the protections that workers' comp insurance allows for the employees. And so that's just one aspect of what we've been talking about with regard to insurance that a particular entity might look to to help cover them and protect them from liability. The other example that we gave was that person was involved in an automobile accident with another individual that person is going to want to have the commercial general auto liability policy that we spoke about earlier because that policy will cover the entity and their agents and their employees for the conduct of that employee. And so specifically, if a person is not authorized to operate a vehicle, you are going to uh, want to be very careful under those circumstances and who you allow to operate a vehicle because a person who is not authorized to operate a vehicle is called an exempt person under the insurance policy provisions and will not be covered. So whenever you have an employee that is operating a vehicle on behalf of the entity, in service of the entity, you want to make sure that the persons are covered under the policy. So how do you do all this? you contact your insurance agent who's going to know which policies will best help protect your entity, whether it's workers' comp insurance, the general liability coverage, or perhaps some other type of insurance policy that will help protect the actions or, in some cases, omissions of a company. So, Mark, you mentioned sort of automobile insurance and general liability coverage all in the same uh, topic there. So I think uh, I understand what you're talking about when it comes to auto type insurance. It may be part of commercial general liability policy, but 
What else does commercial general liability coverage protect? For example, I, I know we represent many uh, uh, businesses involved in the construction industry, which tends to be a high-risk type of industry. So how does commercial general liability insurance also protect a, a company? Well, under those circumstances, that too provides insurance coverage if the company has obtained that type of insurance policy. So now we're getting into the weeds of the variety of insurance coverages available, but we've talked about already the workers' comp policy, the commercial auto policy. The commercial auto policy only covers a person who is operating an automobile on behalf of an entity. A commercial general liability insurance policy covers other instances whereby, to use your example, people are involved at a construction site and they uh, get injured as a result of an alleged act on the part of a general contractor. That general insurance policy is going to be in place to help provide coverage for that act that doesn't involve an automobile necessarily, but instead involves the actions or omissions on the part of a commercial entity uh, while doing a specific task for that entity. So for example, Mark, if uh, a construction company is out on the job and they are operating, for example, a crane, and they unfortunately drop something onto a worker of another company, would the commercial general liability policy protect the company at fault in that example? In most instances, yes. So in your question, we are assuming that the employee is an authorized employee who is operating the, the crane. We're assuming that that person uh, was operating the crane with the knowledge of the entity and that that person had the authority to use that crane. But making those assumptions, generally speaking, your commercial general liability insurance coverage is going to provide coverage for that event. <clears throat> so let me ask you one more question, Mark. Uh, you know, most of our listeners are probably familiar with, for example, their automobile insurance policy. And if you look at most of the policies in Texas, they tend to be pretty much the same type of language. They're fairly standardized, correct? Yes, Is the same Okay, sorry, go ahead. Is the same true for commercial general liability policy? Um, the short answer is the same is not true. There are a variety of different types of insuring policies and agreements that simply depend upon the type and nature of the work that is being done. In some instances, uh, roofing work as an example. They will have specific activities as part of that roofing insuring agreement that is not covered under the policy. And so one thing that you might consider doing as an entity is looking at the potential insurance policy that your agent wants to sell you and taking that back to your lawyer who has helped you create this uh, company and having that lawyer review the document to ensure that the activities that are being done by the company are covered by the insurance policy. In many instances, there are going to be exclusions that limit the amount of coverage that is available to an entity and so by reviewing the insurance policy you're going to want to make sure that you limit as many of those exclusions as possible so that you can afford the most insurance coverage to your company. In many many instances, in fact I can't think of a single exception to this rule, 
when a party is engaged in intentional conduct, to, to use another example, that is something that is specifically not covered by an insurance agreement. So to use your example of a crane operator uh, being involved in an unfortunate incident, if that crane operator intentionally dropped that piece of equipment on that employee, then that is something that could very well, in fact, very likely not be covered by that insuring agreement. And so one of the things that we look to when we're looking at these commercial general liability policies is what is and is not covered. And the only way that you can determine that is by looking at what they call the four corners of the agreement. Everything contained within that insurance agreement is going to be what is covered and is going to be what is excluded by that insurance policy. Mark, you know the whole subject of commercial general liability coverage sounds fairly complex. Is this why you said earlier that it's important to get a really good insurance agent that is knowledge, knowledgeable in that specific area of insurance? Right. So you have many uh, insurance agents that choose to focus on personal lines and in fact that's probably the overwhelming bulk of the insuring agreements that are sold in the United States but there are other types of insurance agents general insurance agents that sell for multiple insuring companies but different types of policies or there are other specifically uh, attributable agents that work for specific insurance carriers that sell different types of insuring agreements under all of these circumstances, you're going to want to look to the person that has the experience that covers the variety of, of coverage, that provides a variety of coverages that that company will require. So Mark, in addition to commercial general liability, are there other related coverages, especially in this day and era, that a business may want to consider? For example, professional liability coverage or cybersecurity type of uh, coverage. You remember back in the day when websites were a new thing, very few companies utilized them to help sell their products or services. This day and age, virtually everybody has a website that you can go to to try to purchase a product or a service. And what's really good about what is called cybersecurity insurance is this whole new area of insurance that helps protect the company against any type of cyber intrusion. And more and more these days, we hear reports in the news about how an insurance website was hacked, whether it's a hospital, a credit card company, even a credit reporting agency has been hacked. And the cybersecurity insurance policies provide uh, coverage for those types of events. The most important thing that it covers, in my view, is a remediation cost. And so when a company gets hacked and, for example, social security numbers or private personal information is lost as a result of that hack, that cybersecurity insurance is something that will help to remediate that cost, to alleviate that cost that is borne by the people who have used that website in order to buy that product or service. And now that company that has a cybersecurity insurance is covered for that by virtue of having had the insurance policy. You know, here at Langley and Banak, we have a shareholder, Natalie Wilson, and she is certified by the International Association of Privacy Professionals. And her certification specifically deals in the area of cybersecurity. That is how prevalent this issue is becoming, 
because as we said, we see it on the news more and more every day where an entity has been hacked. Somebody like Natalie Wilson can provide you with some guidance in the type of cybersecurity protections that will best help your company. So Dane, we just talked a little bit about cybersecurity uh, insurance coverages that are available, but can you think of any other situation or scenario in which um, a company can think about other areas that they would need to provide coverage for their company? Well, Mark, you know, a part of cybersecurity coverage is often protecting trade secrets of a company, and I am often involved in cases involving misappropriation of trade secrets. More often than not, I'm representing a business who may be an employee who has left the business, uh, somehow secretly downloaded lots of trade secrets uh, from the company, and then took those trade secrets to a competitor. So, Mark, last year I was involved in a, a case involving a substantial amount of attorney time in federal court, and it had numerous claims including misappropriation of trade secrets. Now in this particular case it was two competitors suing one another and one competitor sued my company and we had to provide a defense for that company. Well the first thing we did as we were getting ready to file our answer to the lawsuit is we advised our client look you need to look and see if there are any coverages that may provide for the cost of the defense of this litigation because Unfortunately, trade secret litigation is one of those areas where the attorney cost or the attorney fees tend to be substantial just because of the complexity of the subject. So we started putting ever, every carrier on notice that we knew may have provided some type of coverage that would apply to the causes of action that were alleged. And fortunately, we were able to find a carrier who ended up picking up a substantial amount of the cost of the litigation, which frankly in, involved hundreds of thousands of dollars of not only our firm's time, but another firm that had been brought in to defend employees that were also being sued in that litigation. So having these types of coverages in place can be a substantial benefit to the client. So did you find or were you able to locate the insurance based on an error, errors and omissions policy or something else? No, it was more of a, of a unique type of commercial general liability coverage that had coverages in it that kind of dovetailed this type of cybersecurity coverage that you're talking about. But Mark, you know, you bring up a very important topic. Um, a lot of times commercial general liability policies may not have a particular professional liability coverages or E&O errors in the missions coverages, which we often say E&O coverage uh, in the attorney world. But could you tell the, the listeners a little bit about the importance of maybe having professional liability coverage? Well, sure. And let, let's touch first on the what you described as an errors and omissions or an E&O policy in our world. You know, E&O policy insurance is a professional liability insurance type of policy that protects companies, their workers, and other professionals against claims of inadequate or negligent actions. So one type of insurance policy is this professional liability coverage, and in many instances it provides an additional layer of coverage 
if the allegation is that professional engaged in some type of, of negligent activity or some type of inadequate work or some other action, that policy can be used to trigger a defense for the allegations made against one of the employees. Well, Dane, that's as good a place as any to stop. We've talked today about a number of different types of insuring agreements that can help protect the entity. And before purchasing any specific type of insurance policy, you should remember to contact your insurance agent who can provide you with a number of options that will best afford the company the protections that we've briefly addressed here today. And then, of course, running those options by your attorney who helped you create the company in order to best protect the company uh, from any potential uh, liabilities. Next time, we'll be talking about maintaining the protective shield and avoiding veil piercing. Today, we briefly touched on it, but uh, next time we talk, we'll be talking about that in a lot more detail. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us today for the Langley and Benack podcast. Please subscribe to get the latest updates. If you would like to meet with one of our attorneys, please contact us through our website, www.langleybenack.com or call us at 210-736-6600.